Hey, Pastor Bobby here. I'm so glad you're joining us to hear what God is sharing with our community here at Chapel. And I pray, I am praying right now for you, that this message will bless you. It'll be an inspiration to you. It will challenge you to be who God has called you to be and to do what God has called you to do. And so as we jump into the message, I pray that you open up your mind to God's word, open up your heart to God's spirit, and watch the two come together to bring a supernatural miracle in your life. So let's jump into what God is speaking to us right now. One of those uh, families that was spoken over, one of our candidates was Anthony and Lisa Martin. So I'm going to ask them to come up with their kids, Eli. And uh, his name is Knox. I'll call him Tuscaloosa because he's named after Knoxville, Tennessee. And if I can have the elders come forward too. Um, so uh, Anthony and Lisa have been in a season of transition for about two years in ministry. And they've been sitting, kind of healing while they were here. Uh, and back in the middle of the summer, I feel like God had placed his hand upon him to come here at chapel to provide mature leadership and spiritual maturity to our church. Uh, and so they were already candidates. I said, we'll wait and see kind of what comes out of our prophetic presbytery uh, before we announce it to the church. And they had an on-time word for them, uh, their family, the closing of one chapter, the opening of another, uh, and what they're going to do here. We hold that for a second? And, and so I'm very excited about what their family brings to our church in regards, I believe it has I mean, incredible plans for us, but I believe it takes very mature spiritual leadership to handle very deep spiritual things. And so their role is actually to be pastors over connections and care. And so connections, everything from guests coming in through essentials and also helping with groups and really creating a home. That I say this all the time to the staff, to the church, I do not want our church to be a large crowd. I want it to be a large family. And there's a major difference and it takes a lot of work uh, to turn strangers into family. And so that's kind of his role as a critic culture of that. And I want to read from Ephesians 4. Uh, so Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, and one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ gift. And I believe that's what you're called to bring unity to our church and a spirit of oneness to this. We're excited to have them. We're about to ordain them. And I'm going to pray. If you would just reach your hands towards them in agreement with us as we pray. Father, we thank you for the gifts you bring into your body. And I thank you for Anthony. And I thank you for Lisa. I thank you for their story. I thank you for closing one chapter and opening another one, Father. And I thank you that the, the new things are greater than the former things. And I just pray for a spirit of maturity, a spirit of strength, a spirit of perseverance, a spirit of unity, as he can turn strangers into friends and family in this place. And so, Father, I pray that you surround him with people that encourage him and strengthen him, that support him, and he can build teams and pastor people through this church. So, Father, I thank you for their sons. I just pray that you protect them physically, spiritually, emotionally from any attacks of the enemy trying to get to their father's anointing. And Father, we just pray that you allow for this to be a place they can flourish in and grow in as they lead our church into the next season of where you're taking us. So Father, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would share real quick. You know, we have, we've fallen in love with, with the vision of this house. And we know that what God is doing here at chapel right now in this season is special. And it is a huge honor to be able to serve in the midst of that. So we're grateful this morning 
uh, Lisa and I and our family to be able to do that. We love you guys, and we're looking forward to just partnering with you and Pastor and the staff and the elders to, to make everything that God has called this church to be happen. We love you guys. Thank you. How good. See you, Tuscaloosa. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2 and then also 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as we continue our Come Holy Spirit series. And as you're turning there, I'm going to preface that language is very difficult, especially for me. I didn't grow up, I didn't learn how to talk until I was five years old. They put me in speech class in kindergarten. And one of the things I learned about language with struggling with, with that and mumbling and, and, and all those things is that language is very limited. Like when I travel to Haiti or I travel to another country, I'm limited to what I can express based upon my knowledge of words I can use. And so from the get-go, language is very limited. You, you can't express anything and everything you want to. You can only express things that you have the words or the knowledge or the vocabulary to express. And many times in spiritual things, it's the same way. There's many things that we need or desire or question or or want, but we don't have the words to express because language is extremely limited. If you've ever traveled internationally, you know that. You know that it's frustrating when you're trying to communicate something, but you just don't have the words to communicate it. Like you're trying to, I remember I was in Mexico years ago. We had a whole group of youth, young adults, teenagers with us. And we were doing ministry outside this mall. And so this mall in Mexico was really nice mall, but like no one went into the mall. Like they all stayed out in the courtyard trying to find work. And so we're there doing ministry and it was amazing. We're doing like kids ministry stuff and all these grown rough men are getting saved by the droves. But then all of a sudden, the Mexican street food started to hit all our kids. No bathrooms, no baños. Going to the mall, they let them go into the restroom. The problem is they couldn't read because they didn't have the language to understand. They didn't have money to pay for the toilet paper. So their lack of language and vocabulary put them in a very peculiar circumstance. When I say limited is, language is limited, I'm, I'm meaning many times not just your well-being, but your destiny and your future is limited based upon your vocabulary you have to express it. And we, we see this with babies. Babies, we have uh, Judah and Ezra Powell at our house last night, and I was there yesterday, and so they, they don't talk yet. So my thing is, like, if you can walk, you should be able to talk. Like, and if you want something, just tell me what you want. And they're saying all these syllables, but they can't express. And so when babies they're limited in their vocabulary and their knowledge of language. They, they try to express things, needs or wants or desires with the only thing they can, which is sounds. And when they get frustrated because they're trying to share something with you, but they don't have the words to communicate it, they cry or they throw a fit. And it's not because they're a bad baby. It's because they're frustrated. They're frustrated because there's something in them they're trying to communicate to you, but there's a gap in between understanding and receiving. And so they grow frustrated. The only thing they do is cry in frustration. And I believe with all of my heart, there are a ton of disciples of Jesus and followers of Jesus that cry out in frustration because there's things inside of you. There's desires inside of you. There's needs inside of you that you can't express and you're frustrated because you just wish you could tell God how you really feel. 
You wish you could tell God what you really needed, but it's deep down in there. You know what it is. You just don't have words to express it. Which is why I believe God blesses us and gives us a spiritual language when we get saved. He gives us a spiritual language to express spiritual things and spiritual needs and spiritual desires that we don't know how to express. And so if you would stand to your feet and let's read a couple of these scriptures together. Acts chapter two, verse one, we've been sitting in for a while. I'm gonna read it and I'm gonna skip over. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came a, a, from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Or that's the actual non-translated word. I use the word spiritual language or in other spiritual language as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all the these who are speaking Galileans. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes, I'm gonna skip down to verse 11. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues, our own languages, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they were all filled with new wine. Skip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So on day of Pentecost, the gift of spiritual language or tongues was introduced to the church. 30 years later, Paul is writing to the church at Corinthians because they started over-focusing on this gift or on tongues. We talked about the first Corinthians is all a correctional book. It, it's a letter trying to correct wrong practices in the church and bring health back to the church. But here's how he starts it. He says in verse one, if I speak in the tongues of men and of the tongues of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So it's, it's a tongues of men and a tongue of angels or spiritual tongues and native tongues. Skip over to 14 verse one. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, meaning eagerly pursue spiritual things, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Everybody say to God. So one is for a public use, one is for private. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the one hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So one is prophecies building up the church as a whole, but the other one, now I want you all, let me skip, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. So prophecy builds up the church, tongues builds up the believer. Speaks in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all, everybody say all. all. Paul's saying, I want all of you to pray in tongues, to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone is there to interpret so the church may build, be built up. The most common language in the world today is Chinese. And then it's English, I have it somewhere in my notes. It's Mandarin Chinese, then English, then Spanish. Do you know what the fourth most common language in the world is? At the rate in which the Pentecostal movement is growing, 
Actually, it's the only growing movement slash denomination slash whatever word you want to use there in the world. At the rate it is growing, the fourth most common language in the world is tongues. Mandarin Chinese, English, Spanish, spiritual language. That's a good sign. That means God is up to something. And it also means God has a use for spiritual language to increase his church and move his believers forward before his second coming. Father, we thank you that you do not leave us ill-prepared. You equip us with everything we need to walk with you, to serve you, and to see you do what you've called us to do in this life. And so, Father, we just pray in these next few moments that you open up our eyes to who you are and to spiritual things. Father, help us remove blinders of religion and tradition. And Father, let us see the benefits you have in store for us through all of your gifts. So, Father, right now we lift up Pastor Yule White, one of our former elders who lost his son yesterday. We just pray for a spirit of peace and comfort to fall upon him and his family. Father, we just pray to encourage his spirit, encourage his soul. We lift up Philip Clemens in the ark this morning and their transition. I just thank you for Philip, I thank you for his friendship. I thank you for his sacrifice in this community. We just pray that you allow for there to be a spirit of love and of hope for the future in that church and in Philip and Marcia. Father, bless us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Spiritual language. So tongues of angels, not just tongues of men. It can be very confusing when you start thinking through some of these words in the Bible, tongues especially is a word that's not translated actually. It's glossolalia, which is basically means tongues. If we were to translate it today, it would be language. So there's a language of men, a native language. You speak English. There's also a language of heaven or language of angels or a spiritual language. I like using the term spiritual language because I believe it cuts out some of the confusion of what tongues really is. And when it comes to spiritual language, there's two types. There's a public spiritual language and there's a private spiritual language. And if you get this, everything else will make sense. Because if you hear a public spiritual language and it's not done correctly, it'll make you confused and frustrated where you'll dismiss everything God has for you because somebody operated in a spirit of confusion. But if you understand the difference between the two, it'll help you trust that God has only good gifts for his people. God does not give out bad gifts. God does not give out bad things. God is a good father who gives good gifts to his sons and daughters. And so a public tongue or public spiritual language is this. Public spiritual language is a spiritual gift for some believers. It's not for everybody. It's for some, and it operates when the church is gathered together. Somebody may receive a, a message or, or speak publicly to everyone that's gathered a, a language that is from heaven. And when they do that, if it's done correctly and it is interpreted with the gift of interpretation, together, the gift of tongues or the gift of spiritual language and the gift of interpretation, when together, is a prophetic word for God's church to encourage, to build up, and to console or comfort God's church. But... When there is no interpretation, Paul actually says here, it's forbidden for there to be a public tongue with no interpretation. When there's no interpretation, it causes confusion and division in God's church and is no longer a spiritual gift, but is a fleshly weapon of the enemy to use to tear up churches. I've, and to be honest, I'll be very transparent. I've always wondered if, if there's gonna be an interpretation 
if God's gonna give a message in spiritual language, then interpretation, couldn't we just skip the message in tongues and go straight to the interpretation and cut all the weird stuff out, God? Like, that's how I, like, and I said that in a couple years ago, we had a message, and the way we handle it here, because if there is no interpretation, it's forbidden. Meaning that was not of God because it does not benefit the church as a whole. And so we had a message in spiritual language, and somebody gave a great interpretation, just really healing moment for our church. Two days later, this, this guy who'd been visiting uh, came and scheduled a meeting with me, and he said, hey, I'm the, I teach Sunday school in the Baptist church, and we're talking. He says, that thing, Sunday... So I was getting ready for the spiritual debate and warfare that's about to take place. And I said, yes, I was getting my mental argument ready because many times when it comes to tongues, it's, it's usually a lot of passion on both sides of the equation. And he said, that thing, that, 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 whatever that was, I said, yeah, that, that message in, in spiritual language, he said, yeah, that thing. And I was like, oh, so I'm gearing up. He said, that was absolutely beautiful. And I was like, but no, no, don't you want to argue? Like, like, like let's, let's, and he's like, that was just beautiful. And I think it's with like prophetic presbytery, when things are done well, the way God wants them done, it's a beautiful thing that actually draws us into the things of God rather than pushes us away. And when it comes to the public usage of a spiritual language, it operates as a prophetic gift at certain special times. I don't think it should happen all the time, but I believe it brings, it brings a blessing to the church as a whole to bring life and bring energy. If it's not interpreted though, it doesn't produce anything. It doesn't bring blessing. It doesn't bring comfort. It doesn't bring encouragement. It doesn't bring life. All it brings is why is sister so-and-so still being crazy? And nobody wants sister so-and-so to be crazy. We want the church to be built up. So the way we handle that, if there was a message in spiritual language, we would wait around if somebody didn't have an interpretation, I would stand up here and I would say, does anyone else have an interpretation for that message we just received from God? And there would be crickets for a moment. And then if no one had an interpretation, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the person who gave the message should pray to receive the interpretation. And I'd ask them, I'd say, okay, you gave that message. Obviously, God wants it interpreted. You need to pray for the interpretation. Do you have an interpretation? If they do, they would release it to our body. It would build us up. It would encourage us. If they didn't have an interpretation, we would ask them to refrain from doing that ever again. You say, well, that's harsh. That's what Paul is trying to communicate here is that these gifts are so precious and so important that they have to be done correctly because God's church is too pure and too innocent and too valuable to cause division over spiritual things. That's the public use, the private. If the public's just a gift for some, I've never given a message in spiritual language nor have I had an interpretation, but the private, I pray, I pray every single day. Private spiritual language is a benefit not a gift, it is a benefit for every single believer. I, I believe like Jack Hayford said, every believer should expect to receive a spiritual language. Every believer should expect to receive spiritual language. And it is such a benefit to the believer. It's no wonder that the enemies called, caused division over this one thing because I believe spiritual language is key to your spiritual growth and development and your destiny. And so this gift is a benefit for every single believer and it's private. If the public is for everybody, this one's just for you and God. 
It's this intimate thing between just you and God. No one should hardly ever hear you unless it's a prayer meeting format with just believers. No one should ever hear you pray in, in your spiritual language in church. I remember when we first got saved, I went to a charismatic church and the lady was praying in her spiritual language in the microphone. And I asked the pastor, I said, why would she do that? I said, it caused confusion. I didn't understand what she was saying. I didn't understand what was going on. And they actually asked her to stop doing that. Why? That's private. That's between you and God. And it's this intimate, special thing that draws intimacy between you and him and strengthens you and encourages you and produces intimacy in your relationship. And I'm telling you, I believe the enemy has placed division over this gift because he knows that once you buy into this benefit, it is a game changer for you and your family. It's a game changer. I pray in my spiritual language every single day. In worship, I'm praying in my spiritual language almost the entire time. And I'm not shouting loud and trying to pray in my spiritual language loud. I don't need anybody to hear me. It's between me and God. And I believe it's what's gotten me through many of my moments in life that have been difficult. I believe it's stored up spiritual things in my spirit and in my soul to produce strength and power for me when I face storms or turbulence or or turmoil in my life. And I I just want to encourage, I'm going to go through the benefits that I believe are for this spiritual language. But my encouragement is no matter what your mama, your daddy, deacon so-and-so told you, If you do not believe that spiritual language is for day, you need to rip out all of the letters from Paul out of your Bible. The Apostle Paul talks about spiritual language in every single letter he wrote. The book of Acts, you would have to rip out. The book of Jude, you would have to rip out and you'd be left with nothing but the Old Testament, the Gospels and Revelation. That's how important it was for the New Testament church. And I believe that once you come to a place that I believe God's word over the thoughts and opinions of friends, you'll come to a place where God will fill you with everything you need to succeed in life. And and I get it. Tongues can be a weird thing. My family didn't grow up in church at all. I was six years old as part of the Cub Scouts. I spent the night with my my pack leader and his son. I went to church and this church was, it, it was a crazy church. People, people say, well, y'all church are crazy. You don't know crazy. Like, we, we, I've lived crazy. This church is, is laid back. We're there, and they say, let us pray. I didn't have any spiritual development at all. I, there was no Bibles in our house. I didn't know. The only thing I knew was that if somebody says, let's pray, you're supposed to bow your head and close your eyes. All I knew. They said, let's pray. And I remember I bowed my head, closed my eyes, and they started praying. What was, now I know it's tongues. Literally, my six-year-old mind, I looked up. I'm like, I went home, I told my dad, I said, dad, there was aliens at the church. He said, what do you mean? I said, they said, let's pray. And they started saying like there was alien language going on. He was like, you're never going back there again. And so this has kept me, the, the spiritual language thing kept me from truly understanding the depths of God's spiritual things for a long time. And I want you to grow, outpace me in the spiritual things. And so here's some of the benefits. The benefits are, number one, praying in my spiritual language enables me to speak directly to God. It enables me to speak directly to God. 
I'm not having to go through a mediator. I'm not having to go through somebody else. I don't have to think about my prayers. I don't have to try to, you know, format my prayers. It is directly between my spirit and God's spirit. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 too, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, which is the point of prayer. I'm praying not to talk about, I still get a little weirded out praying in public because my prayer life is so intimate and so valuable to me. It's awkward inviting other people into the scenario. And in my spiritual language, I cut out everybody else. It's just me and God. It is just me and God. Jack Havert said it this way, speaking to God in spiritual language is not the only way to speak to him. But it is a privileged benefit by which we gain intimacy with God and by which the Holy Spirit empowers us to serve others. He said, when we pray in the spirit, we are speaking only to God. While we don't know what we are saying, we do know to whom we are speaking, as well as the texture of what our heart feels towards him as the Holy Spirit enables us to speak beyond the words we know. It's a spirit to spirit prayer. It means my spirit is bypassing my vocabulary, my knowledge, my mind, my vocal cord. It's bypassing all those things. So now it's just spirit to spirit connection between me and God. And it is a beautiful thing. It's removing my worries about, what, will I say the right words? Or did I say the right things? Or, or did I get everything across? There's no worry when I'm praying in spiritual language. Like there's this faith that whatever I'm praying is connecting me with God. Whatever I'm speaking is exactly what I needed to release from my spirit. Whatever I'm speaking is exactly what I needed to say. And I have no idea what I'm saying. Even RJ, I think it was like two years ago, I was tucking him in the bed and I go upstairs, lay my hands on him and I pray for him. I'm walking out the door because like the whole tucking in the bed thing in our house, you know, it should take like three minutes. It takes like three hours at our house until the kids got older. Like, and I'm trying to tuck him in. I'm trying to get downstairs and spend time with Toya, the one in the house that's with me forever. And I like the most. I'm trying to get with her. And this little boy, I'm walking out the door. He says, dad, dad, dad. I'm like, what? He said, will you pray in tongues? I said, no. He said, please. And I said, Will you go to bed if I pray in tongues? He said, yes. So I go over there and I, I lay my hands on him. I pray in tongues and I'm trying to walk out the door again. He said, dad, I said, you said you'd go to sleep if I pray in tongues. <laughs> he says, do you know what you're saying when you pray like that? I said, I have no clue. He says, hmm. He said, how do you know you're not cussing then? <laughs> I said, only you would ask that question. I said, if it's God's spirit praying through me, I doubt the Holy Spirit cusses. But you have no idea. It's a faith prayer. And it creates this intimacy because I'm peeling off the layers of my mind. I'm peeling off the layers of my calendar. I'm peeling off the layers of my concerns. I'm peeling off the layers of my prayer list. I'm peeling off layer after layer after layer until you get past all the exterior stuff and just get down to the spirit. And then it produces this intimacy that me and God are connected in this way that no one else can understand. No one else is involved. No one else needs to know. It's almost like Toya and her family and now the girls. I is it Pig Latin is what you speak? Oh my gosh. Pig Latin. 
all I know is you flip the first syllable to the end and something like that, but they speak it so fast, I can't keep up with it. And it drives me crazy. So now the girls know. So now I walk in the room and it used to be if she was talking to her mom or her sister on the phone, she'd be speaking in pig Latin. So I always thought they were talking about me. And it would frustrate me because they had this special language that they're using and I'm on the outside looking in. And so I'm upset. And now I realize that what they did, it created a special connection or bond with her and our mom and her sisters. And now our girls have it. That they have this language. They can communicate or express what they're trying to connect with each other with. But people on the outside can't. Get this. How frustrated. If I'm frustrated with her talking to my mother-in-law. How frustrated do you think the enemy is when you're praying in your spirit and expressing the desires of your heart and the needs of your soul and the, the depths of who you are and you're sharing that with God in a spiritual language and the enemy's looking at you like you're speaking pit Latin. He can't understand what you're saying and he's frustrated because there's nothing he can do about it. How incredible is it that everybody else is on the outside looking in and you create this intimacy with you and God that other people can't even comprehend. And I think most of us, if we were honest, the reason you're in church today is because you're looking for a greater level of intimacy and relationship with God. And I promise you, you may find it in reading his word, you may find it in worship, you may find it in prayer, but there's a level that's deeper as you get that spirit to spirit connection. I'm telling you, and you can remove those excuses you can remove those obstacles by just simply praying in a spiritual language. Number two, praying in my spiritual language equips me with spiritual insight. Praying in a spiritual language equips my spirit with spiritual insight. So the first one is intimacy. This one is, is about revelation and wisdom and knowledge and power. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2b, it says, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So when you're praying in your spiritual language, you don't understand what you're saying, but it's, you're uttering mysteries in the spirit. And that word mysteries is not like how we translate it. We translate mysteries like unsolved mysteries where you turn on the TV and you scare yourself to death for the next 35 minutes with a creepy William Shatner background music. We think of mysteries as something you can't understand or you're trying to figure out. This word in the Greek means something that used to not, used not to be able to understand, but now you have understanding of. Meaning when I'm praying in the spirit, it may be something I don't comprehend mentally, but my spirit is beginning to understand spiritual things because it's spiritual, it's not mental. There's so many people, and I believe in education, I'm a reader, I love knowledge, but there's so many people that try to walk with Jesus through a mental pursuit rather than a spiritual pursuit. And the things of the spirit, you cannot comprehend with the mind. You can only comprehend with your spirit. And if you want to grow in the things of the spirit, you have to be able to communicate spirit to spirit. First Corinthians 2, it says this way, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit. Not through a book, not through the Bible, but through his spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things 
freely given us by God. So we can understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom. Meaning there are things God has given you that you don't understand yet. There's things God has freely given you, already given you, past tense. He's already given to you, but you don't understand it yet. There's things God has blessed you with you don't even comprehend yet. And he says in the next verse, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. I mean, you're not going to find out what God gave you through human wisdom. It'll only come by being taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Meaning, no one understands the mind of a person except the spirit of a person. And if the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God better than anybody else. The Spirit of God knows this word better than anybody else. He knows creation. He knows science. He knows biology. He knows medical practice. He's the creator of all things. He knows the depths of God's thoughts and the depths of God's creation. And he lives on the inside of you. So if he lives on the inside of you, the mind of God lives on the inside of you. And believe it or not, many of these people that have changed the world through inventions, they'll tell you they learn those things by spending time with God. If you want to move above your peers in your career path, get to understand the mind of God that is in you. Let the Spirit teach you things that human wisdom cannot teach you. He knows, he searches the depths of things. He searches the depths and the mysteries of God. He searches the knowledge and the mind of God. And he's on the inside of you. And as you pray in your spiritual language, it's almost like a, a computer hard drive. A hard drive exists to download information and to transfer information. So in your computer, you can only process as much information as your hard drive has on it. If you need to do something new, you may have to download a new program or download new software or get an upgrade. But once you do, you start downloading information on your hard drive to use it later on. In the same way, your spirit is like a spiritual hard drive. It's where you download spiritual things and you upload spiritual things to God. So I'm downloading spiritual insight. I'm downloading faith. I'm downloading hope. I'm downloading wisdom. I'm downloading knowledge. I'm downloading power. But I'm also uploading spiritual desires or prayer requests up to God. It's a spiritual hard drive between me and God. And when I pray in the spirit, what it says here, those mysteries, is I'm praying in the spirit. I have no clue what I'm saying. But as I'm praying, it's downloading spiritual things into my spirit that I may not need today, but the Holy Spirit knows when I'm going to need it in the future. So he's preparing my spirit today for what I'm going to need tomorrow. And some of us in this room, I'm not going to point any fingers at anybody. We don't pursue God until we're in the middle of a situation where we need God. We don't begin to, to actually do what God told us to do until we hit a wall and we're in the middle of a pit, we're in the ditch, we're in somewhere. And this whole process is, if I download spiritual insight in me today, when I face that storm tomorrow, I already have in me what God needs in me to get through it. 
There's been so many situations that I faced where I, I, I said the right thing, I made the right decision, I processed it correctly, not because I had a chance to pray in the middle of the situation, but because I prayed for months and weeks and years ahead of time, downloading things in my spirit so I could see the situation clearly when I'm faced with it. And some of us, all of us, need to download spiritual insight today so that way in the future we have exactly what he needs to work with to get us through the storms we're going to face. Now I'm telling you, it's not a matter of if a storm comes, they are coming. And when they come, either you've downloaded enough spiritual insight or you're going to be starting to look for it. And the worst time to try to get prepared is when bullets are flying. If I'm going to war, I want to stockpile my ammunition. I want to have my gun clean. I want to have my sights sighted in and zeroed in. I want to have everything ready so when it happens, I'm well prepared. I don't wait until the bullets start flying thinking, hey, I should probably buy a rifle right about now. Hey, I probably should get some ammunition right about now. In the same way, when you're praying in your spiritual language, you're preparing your spiritual arsenal for when the enemy attacks, he doesn't realize who he's attacking. You're well prepared and well armed when you've stored up spiritual things in your spirit. Number three, praying in my spiritual language builds up my spirit and my faith. So the first one, praying in my spiritual language enables me to only speak to God or directly to God. That's intimacy. That's relationship. The second one, that's wisdom. That's revelation. That's knowledge. This one is power. This one is building up your inner man with faith in your spirit. And it says this way in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, the one who speaks in, tongue, in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And Jude uh, verse 20 says, but you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit or praying in your spiritual language. He's saying prophecy is great. That builds up the entire church as a whole. But you know what the churches consist of? It consists of lots of smaller pieces called people. And if you're stronger, the church gets stronger. If we all get stronger, the church gets stronger. And you can't get stronger. He says right here, praying your spiritual language is for the purpose of building you up and strengthening you. And this word in the Greek actually has two meanings. It means to build a house upon a solid foundation, but it also means to rebuild or restore a house that has been attacked or worn down. And so when I pray in my spiritual language, I'm building up my, my spirit man upon the solid foundation of the gospel. I'm strengthening him, I'm empowering him, I'm building up things in him, but also it's a place to replenish what the enemy has torn down. When I've gone through seasons of, of turmoil, seasons of warfare, I'm weary, I'm frustrated, I'm tired. When I pray in my spiritual language, the Holy Spirit comes in and starts rebuilding that house, rebuilding that inner man, strengthening those foundations, strengthening the structure, strengthening your spiritual muscles and restoring them. It's almost like when you work out and you tear down muscle. You need a chance to restore those muscles or rebuild those muscles. So many times we take supplements, we drink lots of water. When you pray in your spiritual language, it's like taking a spiritual supplement to restore those spiritual muscles that you've worn out by fighting the enemy day in and day out. And on a bigger scale, how can you 
build up other people if you're being torn down? How can you build up your spouse if you're weakened? How can you build up your kids if you're falling apart? How can you build up God's church if your faith is weakened and deteriorating? How can you build up your employees at work? How can you build up your students? How can you build up the players on your team? How can you build up your friends? How can you build up your neighbors if you're weakened in your spirit, man? To be honest, I'm sick and tired of church world trying to do everything based on our mental capacities. I can't convince you of the things of God but I can pour into you spiritual things. We can't convince our neighbors that God is good. We can't convince our kids that Jesus is real, but I can build myself up enough that I can pour myself into them all the things God has shown me or proven to me. Like when I fly, there's two types of people when you fly. When you get on the plane, as soon as I get on the plane, I put my headphones on. I'm hoping the person next to me does not show up for their flight. I'm specifically praying that they have not been drinking and I'm specifically praying that they don't talk. So I put my headphones on, like I've got a book out. My theory is if I have headphones on and a book, that means I don't want you to talk to me. So I'm doing this, but then you'll have somebody, once they start the safety brief, some people pay attention. The flight attendant has a little phone. You can't understand half the words she's saying. All I know is she says, hey, if we... If we have a crash over water, your seat may be used as a flotation device. My thought is always, why would they put a flotation device on a plane? This ain't a boat. Put a parachute under that thing. Like, so I'm ignoring the whole thing. Then they get to the point where, hey, if we lose cabin pressure, these masks are going to drop from the ceiling, which could be the most catastrophic event known to man. And they said, when it happens, don't panic. Don't panic. They said, then take that, and if you have kids with you or a spouse with you, put it over your face first. And my thought is always, if I put it over my face first and we survive, I'm getting it when I get home. And they said, because if you don't put it over your face first, You may not have a chance to help them, but if you put it on your face first, you start getting oxygen, then you can help other people around you. Some of you in this room, you need to hear this. Some of you are so concerned with helping other people, your soul is deteriorating and dying. Paul says this gift right here is to build you up. It's the oxygen mask you put on so you can breathe again. So you can catch your breath when the world is attacking you. So you can catch your breath when you just left your family reunion. When you can catch your breath after the Alabama. When you catch your breath after you and your spouse have just had a difficult season. You can catch your breath after your kids start getting a little bit older. You can catch your breath after an attack of the enemy. (gasps) You can catch your breath, build yourself back up. Then you can help the people around you be built back up. You can't pour into somebody else until you let God pour into you. And this isn't self-help stuff. This is scripturally sound that I believe God has called everyone in this room to pour themselves into other people. If you're a man and you're married, your first thing is pour yourself into your wife. Second one is your kids, then your job, then your church. Everyone's called to pour in. 
But some of you aren't pouring in because you haven't trusted God enough to let him pour into you. You haven't built up your inner man enough to actually do an eternal work in your family. You haven't let him build you up enough to do any spiritual work in your marriage. And it only happens through praying your spiritual language so you're inviting him in to massage and maneuver and bring life back to your spirit. And number four, praying my spiritual language expands my prayer life. It expands my prayer life. Means it changes it and makes it bigger or makes it greater or increases it. Because we said we're limited by language and vocabulary. So spiritually, I'm born again. I have this new spirit. I'm just now learning how it functions, how it operates. And there's desires and needs and wants inside of me that I just don't have the words to express. In Ephesians 3.20, Paul said it this way scripturally. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Everybody say far more abundantly. That's a good word. Far more abundantly. Far more than what? Than all that we ask or think. Meaning he can do far more than I can ask for. Meaning you can take your biggest desire, your biggest dream, your biggest prayer. You can lift it up to God. He can do far more than that. If God said, I'll give you one prayer and I'll answer it on the spot. The biggest prayer you can pray and you dream up and you're thinking, oh, world peace and, and this, that, far more than that. More than you can ask, meaning you don't have the words to ask for enough that God can do for you. And more than you can think, you can't dream in your mind big enough. Far more abundantly than we can ask or think. And he continues, according to the power at work within us. Meaning according to the power of the Holy Spirit that's already inside of you. He's working and he can do far more in you. He can do far more through you. He can do far more with you than you can ask or think. But you're limited. You're limited by your vocabulary and your thinking. So he's saying your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Your spirit is willing for far more. Your spirit is willing for much more depth of God. Your spirit is willing for much more knowledge and revelation from God. Your spirit is willing for much more power from God, but your flesh is weak. It's a weak vessel. It's weakened in, its, in your knowledge, in your brain, your vocabulary. It's weakened in your voice or your vocab or what you can say or what you could speak. So God is saying, guys, there's far more I'd like to do in you, but you're limited based on the body I place you in. Pastor Lee, we're talking way airport. No one has said this on the news, but the shooter in Dayton, Ohio had a journal. In the journal, it was writing in the third person and it was the demon that had possessed this young man. And the demon's name was Azalil or something to that extent. And the demon is writing letters saying, I'm so sick and tired of this limited body. If this body would just obey me, I could break all limitations from this body. He goes through this whole thing and talks about this mass shooting it's going to do. This demon is speaking to this body. And the whole time, the, the demon's saying, this body is weakened. This body is limited. And God is saying the same thing. He said, your body is limited. 
It's a weakened vessel, not able to do everything God has called you to do. The good news is God knows that your body is a weakened vessel, your mind is weakened, and your vocabulary is not strong enough. So God does what only God can do. God allows his spirit to overcome our weakness. God allows his spirit to overcome our weakness. I'm weak in my asking. I'm weak in my thinking. I'm weak in my flesh. And the Holy Spirit says, that is good. If you recognize you're weak, I may be strong. But if you think you're strong, I shall be weak to you. And there's too many believers that are unwilling to acknowledge the fact that they're weak. And the place of your weakness is the place where the Holy Spirit overcomes. The place where you're weak is the place where the Holy Spirit comes. In Romans 8, 26, 27, I believe these two scriptures that Paul is writing, Ephesians 3, 20, Romans 8, 26, they come together and they show you the full picture of what Paul is trying to say. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray. He just said in Ephesians 3.20, more than I can ask and more than I can think. Now he's saying, you don't even know what to pray. He said, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we all, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings. What? Too deep for words. And he also searches hearts and knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The same thing saying, you're limited by your knowledge and you're limited by your words. Good news, the Holy Spirit will take care of both of them. And when the Holy Spirit takes care of both of them, it says he prays the mind and the perfect will of God. You can spend your entire life trying to come up with the words. Come up with the thoughts to pray the right prayer. In one moment, the Holy Spirit comes and says, I don't need your words. I don't need your thoughts. I don't need your prayer list. I just want to pray for you. And he says, if you'll just weaken your vessel, weaken your vessel so that I can flow, I'll pray the perfect prayer for you. I'll pray the far more abundantly prayer for you. I'll pray the perfect mind of God for you. I'll pray the perfect will of God for you. In every situation, in every season, the Holy Spirit overcomes our weaknesses. And this one is a big one. If we are spiritual beings, it will take spiritual work to produce spiritual fruit. If you have a spiritual destiny, it's going to take spiritual prayers to guide you and lead you into your spiritual purpose. If God is spirit, it's going to take spirit to spirit prayer to grow in that intimacy and that relationship with him. Because God says there is more. There is more. Not just more, there's abundantly far more that you're missing out on. If you would, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for this moment. I'm gonna ask one question, then I'm gonna lead to a response time. This is the first question. If you're in this room today and you said, you know what, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even comprehend what you're saying. 
When you read that scripture, it didn't make any sense to me. When you talk about intimacy with God, that makes no sense to me. When you talk about spiritual power, that makes no sense to me. And I can answer your question of why it doesn't make sense to you. The reason it doesn't make sense, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is that you can't understand spiritual things with a mental mind. You can only understand spiritual things with a new spirit. And maybe you've been trying to figure everything out through your thought life. But if you want to understand God, you understand God with your spirit life. And the only way to get that new spirit is allow your old spirit to die to itself. To repent of that old spirit and not let that old spirit govern your life anymore. Not let the old spirit tell you what to do and let a new spirit be born in you. As you turn away from the old Turn away from the old sin, away from the old slavery, away from the old desires and turn to Jesus. He gives you a new spirit and you're born again and that new spirit can comprehend the things of God. That new spirit is clean, pure, innocent, righteous, and perfect in the eyes of God. And then you can start learning the spiritual things because then the mind of Christ begins to live on the inside of you. So that's me. I have no idea how to comprehend any of this, but I realize God is knocking on the door of my heart and telling me and asking me and inviting me to be born again. That's you. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. That's you. Just slip your hand up right where you are. I'm going to ask you to come forward. Thank you. Anybody else? Wait just a second. For those of you that raise your hand, I'm going to pray in just a moment. And as I pray, I just want you to pray along with me. I just want you to talk to God like he's your friend. Talk to God like he's sitting next to you because he is sitting next to you. And after I pray at the end of service, if you do me a favor and stop by the info center, let them get your name, let them give you a book uh, that will help you in your journey because it's not about making a decision, it's about walking with Jesus. It would be my privilege and honor to follow up with you. Father, we thank you for the grace that you've shown us in Jesus. Thank you for the mercy you've given us. And Father, we all deserve death. We all deserve hell. We all deserve the grave. But Father, you've given us new life. And we think in that new life, we have new spirits that is a temple, that is a home for your spirit to live within us. And Father, these next few moments, I just pray that you allow for us to realize that you are with us. You are near to us. You are available to us. Father, wash us and cleanse us and renew our minds, renew our hearts, renew our spirits, and let us live in ways that are worthy of the calling of being a child of God. So we thank you, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last thing, we have just a few minutes. We're gonna go back into worship for one, one more song. If you would just stand to your feet all over the room. And I, this is your personal response time. For some of you, if you want God to feel you, I promise you, I got filled in my living room in our apartment with a Kenneth Copeland track. For some of you, you just tell God, fill me. I promise you, he'll fill you. For some of you, maybe you said, you know what? I'd like to pray in a spiritual language. I've never been able to do that. I'm going to tell you, based on Acts chapter 2, you produce a sound, the Spirit will give you utterance. You produce a sound of praise. You, you produce a sound of, of love and of hope and of prayer. And the Spirit will begin to give you utterance. And as you release that, you'll, you'll begin to pray whatever God has for you. Expect 
the good blessings and gifts of God to come into your life. And they will come. Everything in the kingdom of God comes by faith and by faith alone. Father, we thank you for this moment. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the heart of a church that seeks after you, Father, in both your word and through your spirit and through unity and through love. And so, Father, I just pray that you pour your spirit amongst your people. You pour into their hearts, Father. Those who need replenished, you pour into them. Father, those who need hope, you pour into them. Father, those who want to be filled with everything you have, Father, I pray that you fill them to overflowing. And Father, I pray those seeking you and your gifts, eagerly desiring the things of you, Father, I pray you allow for those things to be manifest in their life. And Father, we bless you, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.